It's episode 560 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I have Grant Schiller, the prospect expert, here to give our minor league season preview for the Texas Rangers. Three things that we want from our farm system. A little bit about Josh Smith and how much he impressed the Rangers and how we think his future with the club might end up being in the outfield. All that and more coming up on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Patter, entering year four, hosting this podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at Bryce Patter, follow the show at Locked On Rangers, and subscribe on YouTube, where we are inching closer to 700 subscribers. Join me today is the great, the OG, Grant Schiller, prospect expert, pitching uh, prodigy, uh, some other third title how you doing today buddy i'm doing great um i do like your second title my 68 to 71 mile an hour fastball had me on all the draft boards i know it was i mean the reason the teams didn't draft you is because they were too scared you're scared you'd be right. too good and you well know, if I it was, wasn't for my shoulder you know i would have gone first round if it wasn't for my overall lack of baseball acumen and abilities i would have also gone in the first round so you know we're just a couple of prodigies right here but on today's episode, we're going to be getting into MLB Pipeline releasing their top 100 prospects. It took them a while because, you know, they couldn't write about anybody on 40-man rosters <laughs> while they were during the lockout. So, of course, their you know top 30 and their top 100 had to stay the same until now. But the Rangers have five players on there, which is pretty consistent with, I think, everywhere else. I don't know what Baseball America's top 100 specifically is. I think Keith Law in his top 100 had five Rangers. He might have had four. But anyway... Let's get into who these five players are. There's one of them that uh, you're gonna you're gonna poop your pants. But obviously, top one, Jack Leiter at number twelve. He is the second highest graded player from his draft class. The only one that's higher than him is Marcelo Meyer, who is at number nine, drafted by the Boston Red Sox, I believe, sixth or seventh or fifth, something after fourth. Excuse me, fourth, just a couple slots after where the Rangers had him. But they have him up there pretty high. Also, next on the list is a pretty big drop. Josh Young is all the way down at 47. Cole Wynn is at 59. Justin Foscue is at 83. And the last one, Sam Huff at 91. Still no, on their not. top. No, he, no, he no, is. Not. You're, you're looking at the wrong year. I'm literally looking at it right now. I'm they looking have Sam at, Huff as the Rangers number 11. They're, like He can't be top 100. I, this doesn't make any sense because I'm looking at it and oh wait, nope, nope, that's 2021. Son yep, of a gun. Okay. Oh my god, are you freaking kidding me? Alright, well, disregard everything that I just said because I'm a dang moron. Okay, Jack Leiter is at 17. Okay, then we have Josh Young at 29. That feels much better, more accurate to what he did last year. Then we have Cole Wynn at 48. Also, all these feel, I'm like, alright, this, this feels a lot better. Um... Anyway, then we are scrolling down. We keep on going, and we have Ezekiel Durand, 83. There we go. All right, this is not as crazy. Justin <laughs> Foscue at 89, and that's it. That's yeah. it. That's the whole thing. I was there like, because I clicked, <laughs> I, I thought I clicked on this year's, and it sent me to last year's. I'm like, wait a minute. How is this possible? Like, 
I don't. I didn't have him on my top thirty, which I I kind of regret just a little bit. But like having him on the top one hundred, I'm like this this cannot be right. <laughs> and also them having Ezekiel Durant off of there was was weird and and kind of confusing. Yeah. But he he's also a top one hundred on baseball prospectuses, top one hundred one. He's got to mm-hmm. do it a one hundred one just to one up any everybody, which I respect because Evan Grant did thirty one prospects and I had to my top thirty. So I have to think it's a little like, oh, he used the excuse that, oh, it's every day of March we're going to release one. And I'm like, you just wanted one up me and Pipeline, who had 30 on our list, which I respect. I respect the petty game. But do any of those guys surprise you? Any guys you think should have been higher? I was a little surprised that that lighter fell down so many spots after, like, not doing anything. Because he was 12 last at the end of last year. How did he fall five spots from the end of last year of not doing anything? Marcelo Meyer, by the way, is still ahead of him at 14, but he also fell down a little bit, even though he had a pretty decent end of the season. Yeah, so part of it's going to be that uh, some of the guys around them who are already in affiliated ball had a had the last couple months of the season to differentiate themselves, whereas the draft guys mostly didn't play, like Leiter didn't pitch for the Rangers, so he didn't mm-hmm. have that time. So it's natural some guys are going to pass him when he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Also with Leiter, I mean, you got to keep in mind how prospect rankings typically value hitters versus pitchers, just because there's so much more risk with pitchers. Leiter's their third ranked ranked arm, so like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Really He's behind yeah. uh, Grayson Rodriguez, who's in Double A for Baltimore. And He's also disgusting. behind Shane Baz, who is absolutely disgusting for the Rays, who is already at the major league level. Like he's already made the majors, so. Yeah. I guess that is a pretty high compliment to him, given that he hasn't thrown a single, well, I guess technically spring training, he hasn't thrown a, a single professional inning that counts. Are you aware of Grayson Rodriguez's numbers last year? I am not aware of Grayson Rodriguez's numbers last year. I okay. don't think I really knew much about him. Well, he had a uh, 159 batting average against, um, but my favorite here is uh, he threw 103 innings. Okay. He struck out 161 batters and walked 27. <laughs> Uh, I I would like him. Uh, uh, Baltimore, <laughs> yeah, can I? Yeah, can I have him? I I would like him, please, pretty please. But yeah, See if we can work out. I thought we'd be able to talk that, about that a lot longer. I was really surprised they had Cuff on there as high as they did, and they had Josh <laughs> in like the the mid forties. Uh-huh. I was like, this is just so stupid. Why is that the case? I'm so mad. But him going up to twenty nine. That feels about right. He's a, he's ahead of Jordan Walker, the third base prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. I believe he might be their their highest third baseman. If he's ahead of Walker, then I think he's ahead of everybody else. They, they have Bobby Witt Jr. listed as a shortstop slash third baseman. They also have Spencer Torkelson of Detroit listed as a first baseman slash third baseman. I, I he's, he's a first baseman, yeah. I'm pretty darn sure. But of the guys who are primarily third base, he well, I guess Brett Beatty of the Mets, who I can't say I know anything about, is a third baseman slash outfielder. But of those full-time third basemen, he is the top in there, and I think that's about fitting. And, uh, you know, that gets me into some of the things that I'm wishing for. This this kind of will will count-ish as our you know minor league preview, some of the things that we want most badly for this season. We each have three. They are not the same thing. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get mine, my, my one that I can't put in there legally 
because it's not physically possible. But if I could make this happen, I would wish that Josh Young would invent a time machine and uninjure his shoulder and then be the opening day third baseman, even though I am kind of happy for Andy Ibanez and him doing a bunch of work. Like, I just, I would like him to do a time machine. And then while he's in the future, just get some some of their like medical equipment to help mm-hmm. keep his shoulders and just the whole rest of them, just like some kind of suit of medical armor that he can't ever get hurt again. I think that would be really neat. Yeah. So that agree. might, that, that might count as a PED. I it might be, that might be cheating, but if it's not actively helping him, if it's just like, I don't know, injury prevention, then like you're using Nelson Cruz logic there. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of am, but you know, Nelson Cruz right. is still, is still, banging home runs at age 47 or however old he is. I think 42 at this point. So all natural. This episode is brought to you by athletic greens. Our next partner is a product that I use literally every day. I started taking athletic greens because I wanted, you know, a little bit better gut health. I'm really bad about getting my vitamins, you know, taking a whole bunch of pills every day is just a huge pain. And I wanted something that was good for me and would make me feel a little bit better about myself. And that that's athletic greens. It's a very, very healthy product. It is a, a nutrition supplement. It's got all kinds of superfoods, all kinds of great stuff. You know, it's got one scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things, you know, that you that you want to improve on. So there's all kinds of great stuff there. I've been taking it for a couple of weeks and, you know, every morning starting off my day, actually, you know, been a lot, a lot, you know, more awake and alert throughout the day. It is super healthy for you. It is great. You know, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than a cold brew habit. It's, it's, you know, cheaper than getting all these different supplements yourself. You're investing in all-in-one nutritional insurance. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now, Back to my talk with Grant Schiller. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, let's, any, let's go ahead and start to do your actual, yeah. your actual, we're going to do three things we want, tangible, physical things that are, well, I guess they're not all very quantifiable, but they are at least a little bit quantifiable in this. So what is, what is your first wish for the Rangers prospects this season? I'd like to see a fully healthy season from Owen White. I mean, it, <clears throat> for everything you hear from everybody who's seen him, and the brief outings he's had since he came back from injury in the fall league last year and then the spring. Like, I don't think there's much concern about how he's going to do if he's healthy. So just keep him healthy for a year. Let him eat. Let him move up the system. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great one to ask. He's he's number eight on their prospect list. And every time I – the reason why I got confused is because when you go to the Rangers website, you click on top 30 prospects, it immediately takes you to – 2021 rankings which i'm like come on guys uh-huh. come on I, you had a whole walkout to prepare to update this stuff like let's let's get on the ball but he is number eight in their prospect rankings just ahead of evan carter and just behind josh h smith so that is a, a great wish for my first one while we were speaking of josh h smith and we talked yesterday i talked yesterday on the episode 
saying how he almost made camp with the Rangers. And that was that was some some really surprising stuff from from Woodward saying that, but he said he just completely impressed all the coaches. Mm-hmm. We saw his numbers and how he looked legit at you know th- the three positions that he played, second base, shortstop, and third base, just making some diving catches. There were even a couple coaches that said that they really lo- loved what they saw from him last year in spring training, or, or not spring training, one of the minor league coaches. I can't remember exactly who it is, um, but Evan Grant was, was writing about it for the Dallas Morning News, saying they absolutely loved him some scout who saw him in spring training last year with mm-hmm. the Yankees, and now he is a Ranger. But I'm hoping that he can play center field defensively, at least average defensively, and that might be his way to make the Major League Club this year. I think he's going to start the season in AAA. He's already been taken out of the running for the opening day roster. But the guy needs some reps in the outfield, and I think long-term that might be his fit since the infield is basically – you know, closed for business for the next right. half decade at every single position as an everyday starter. And his bat is definitely, I think, good enough to be an everyday starter. It just is a question of which position at this point. Yep, I agree. I think that would be so important to his value for this organization if he can handle center field. Um, mm-hmm. If you have to bump him to a corner, that's taking a spot from a bunch of other prospects who are probably going to need to be a corner outfielder. Um, so if he can be your center fielder, huge because that dude I, I'm pretty confident that dude's going to hit yeah uh, my second one is pretty similar actually so uh, Dustin Harris another guy who like that's what a plus bat looks like mm-hmm. that dude I think is going to hit um, I want him to play a corner outfield spot to an average uh, ability if he can be a 50 left fielder that, that'll work um, that'll give him much more value both to this organization and just to baseball as a whole if he can be an average left fielder instead of being stuck at first base. Because um, the the requirements for the bat are significantly lower in the corner outfield spots than at first where it's very, very high. Yeah. Um, so if you can handle those spots and really hit, you're super valuable. Yeah, I mean – I, I remember his numbers last year being ridiculous and I'm looking back at them and God, they're even, they're even more yeah. ridiculous than I remember, but in both of his full professional seasons, he's had an on base over 400 last year. He had a slash line of 327, 401 and 542. The guy absolutely mashed at every single level yeah. that he was at. Also, and- Oh, Oh, I, I got his, his walks and, and strikeouts. I thought he had 73 walks to 47 strikeouts, but that's not the case. It was 47 walks to 73 strikeouts, which is still solid. Which is still good. And yeah. don't sleep on the fact he had 25 stolen bases last year. Yeah. And, I mean, this is a guy who walks a decent amount. He doesn't strike out a ton. He's strong, has a mean swing. He'll hit the crap out of the ball. And you had 25 steals on top of that. I mean, like, I'm not sure we're talking about this guy – as like prospect industry as a whole is talking about this guy the way they will be at the end of this year. Because um, that is what a plus hitter looks like. And if he can handle a corner outfield spot, he's got a chance to be really, really good. Yeah, I am I am really looking forward to his progression last year. That was a huge breakout year for him. I don't think I had him anywhere near my like top 30. Even the like when I just put a base list together like last year of like, you know, 30, 40 guys. I don't think he was even on it, even though he had a pretty decent season in, what, 20... 2019. Yeah, 2019, because there was no 2020 minor league season. 
But still, this was a great season for him, and he definitely belongs in the top ten, which he is on pretty much every list that I've seen. So mm-hmm. at least every list that counts. On on the note of a different guy, we're going to me now. My number two wish for this minor league season is Cole Wynn makes a major league debut. Now, I'm not going to sit here and demand that he break camp with the Rangers as the number one starter. That would be stupid. And also, why'd you pay John Gray 100 and, or just, sorry, 46, 46 se- several millions of dollars. Yes. Ten, tens of millions of dollars to be your number one starter if you're going to do that. But anyway, I just wanted to make his major league debut at some point this year. Ideally, I would love it to be somewhere in the midseason that he just goes and dominates AAA. His, and his, it's like, what, three or four starts in AAA last year? The numbers weren't super encouraging, but it was the end of the season. And he was coming off a lot of innings, a lot more than he'd ever really done. Because, again, he had the whole deload program. Had a, I think, 86 innings or something is what he pitched in his one fully healthy minor league season in 2019. Let me go double check that. No, 68 and two-thirds. So one out away from 69 innings in his professional debut, which would have been really nice. Anyway, last year he had 86 innings total, 21 of those starts. But he was, you could tell he was he was kind of getting a little tired towards the end of the season. But he's got a little more arm strength built up, so I would like to see him make his major league debut. Even if it's just a cup of coffee, if it's a couple of starts at the end of the year, I think that might end up being the most likely scenario because he still, like we said, hasn't had all that much you know, experience against minor leaguers, and he absolutely destroyed in double A, and that was great. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason to rush him. you still got some guys right. that are up there that can provide you. You've got Martin Perez. You've got... Dane Dunning, you've got a couple other guys. Now, I don't know how many innings Taylor Hearns will be able to give him, but he looked solid in the last start that I saw him, and I, I think the Rangers feel pretty confident in him being their number four pretty much for the entire season. And then the number five spot is a huge question mark at this point. So he's going to have to earn his spot. It's not like there's just a huge question mark cakewalk at the number five hole because Brock Burke might be there and Spencer Howard. Yeah, that's been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious to to derail us just a little bit. I'm curious to your thoughts on, on Brock Burke, because I know we talked about it before. I, yeah, think, I, mean, I think we both agreed beforehand, like before the shoulder surgery, that of that group of him, Palumbo, and Allard, that we both liked him best to be mm-hmm. a bona fide major league starter. Is that is that where you landed too? Because I know that's where I landed. Yeah, pre-shoulder surgery, yes. And then last year, it looked like it, it was gone. Like, I, I mean, I know you can't totally give up on a guy his first year back from the shoulder thing, but I had just about <laughs> totally given up on the guy. Um, I mean, I did too, because, I mean, shoulder injuries are the the worst injuries for pitchers. Yeah. And I'm pretty – it was his throwing shoulder, was it not? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, because those, those have some real long-lasting effects. I mean, was it back – was it a combination of back and, and shoulder that ended Matt Harrison's career at basically, like, 30? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff can get you off, off the rails quick, and it is really hard to come back from that. I mean – Tommy John used to be kind of viewed as that. It's not really anymore. It's like, okay, you're going to get a Tommy John at some point in your career, and you'll be out for a year and a half, and then you'll come back, and you'll maybe gain some velo, and that'll be fun for you. But shoulder surgery, it's like, whew. That that could be really rough. Yeah. I mean, for him to show up pumping 97, which he had never done before. No. No, he taught that like... smarter than he'd had before. I mean... He taught that at like, what, 95 was he even? Was he even he hitting? He may him? have touched ninety five, but he yeah, didn't. but he was sitting low nineties. I mean, he yeah. he had the. I mean, is it 
am I confusing him and Palumbo? Was it Palumbo that had the like Mike Miner starter pack? I think with the like um, fastball with not a whole lot of velo but a lot of spin and the change. No, the change. It was Brock Burt or not or, or God. I keep confusing those guys. I'm still doing that even though even though only like one of them has been in the big leagues or a factor or the last like two years. But uh, Palumbo was the one with that starter pack, and it's not. And his changeup was was really solid. But Brock Burke is is a like slider curveball guy, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, I think you are mishmashing the two. Oh my um, gosh! Palumbo had the high spin fastball, and Burke had the good changeup. Okay. So if you combine different <laughs> both of, of them, the, both they, of they them the combined are the Mike Miner <laughs> starter. Okay. All right. All right. Well, it is just a really encouraging, positive development that yeah. I did not expect at all. And while we're on it, can we talk about Spencer Howard? Yeah, we can. We can talk I, about Spencer Howard because he he looks like he's got to lock down that fifth spot, and I don't think it's going to be. Guy. I don't think it's going to be close, which is wild because Brock Burke looks so good, and if if Howard came in and was kind of questionable, like you might start to think that that Burke is going to overtake him, but it's looking like no, that's not the case. It's looking like. He might end up crawling up higher in the rotation than than Taylor Hearn. Like that, that might be what happens. I don't know. Is that something that you think, or are you more solid on Hearn? Even though it's just because it has just been a few a few outings, uh-huh. but it, he looks like a different guy. Spencer Howard does now. Yeah, so I'm not real solid on Hearn. Um, if he can be a back of the rotation guy, that'd be great. I'm not not certain he'll be that. I also want to see more from Spencer Howard. Let's see how he looks tomorrow. Yeah. But that guy who threw in his first outing of the spring was not who we saw last year. And that was much, much better, way better slider, better fastball, better command, different mound presence. It was, I think I would have to, I mean, on the big league side, that's the most promising thing I've seen this spring. Really? Yeah. I mean, that is a guy who's going to have a really big say on what this team's future looks like, right? I mean, and how active they are, especially this offseason in the pitching market, because I can't remember who exactly is is going to be a free agent. But there there are a lot more pitchers in this coming free agent class than there were this year. I mean, there were quite a few, but the Rangers didn't really have a shot at most of them. We saw what they're doing against right now. Um, against one of those guys in Robbie Ray. It's not very often that you see a Cy Young guy hit the market right after, literally the season after he hits a, he earns his first Cy Young and kind of looks like he's turned the table, which is really cool for him and great that he got to go get a bunch of money. But, oh, the Rangers did end up losing. Okay, hold on. They're still playing. No, it, it says it's final. Wait, is it not? Am I? It's top no. seven. Okay, I was confused because yeah, yeah, yeah. it said six innings and I, <laughs> This stupid live box score, not having the actual live scoring, it it's driving me nuts. I can't wait to have the pitch tracker and overanalyze every single bit of it. But, but yeah, I think you're right. I think because Spencer Howard for me is the biggest question mark on this, at least in this this pitching rotation of like everybody from like the the upper minors to the big leagues. Like that is, and if Brock Burke comes on is an actual starter, that's another. I didn't expect that to even be a question. I just expected that to be a goodbye. That kind of sucks that your career got derailed like that. But, you know, I'm glad that that he's able to turn around and he might end up fighting 
with Taylor Hearn for that rotation spot, and at the very least, be a big leaguer in a big league yeah. pen. Yeah, which is uh, pretty unexpected. Um, but awesome. Yeah. The last three years, the thing that, that pissed me off about the Rangers being bad to just comp- completely derail it even further, the thing that has been most upsetting to me is not that the Rangers have been bad, is that there have been like three or four young guys that I'm like, okay, can like one of you, it's more on the hitter side. The pitchers have kind uh-huh. of taken a step. But on the hitter side, it's just like one of you guys like take take that next step. Like Willie Calhoun, just bad luck, bad luck, injury. And when he's been healthy, he hasn't quite been there. Nick Solak, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of promise there. Can you just like show me you're a, a big league hitter? And last year he's like, no. The year before he was like, no. And it's just all these guys time and time again, it's like the just just one. I don't need everybody to go have a breakout season and become a multi-time all-star MVP. Like, no. Just like a couple of you take uh-huh. that next step and they haven't. And there haven't been those pleasant little surprises. I mean, there kind of was last year and Eddie Ibanez was much better than I thought he was in the fact that he's going to hold down but, a third base job right. for now. Also That's surprising. a pleasant... Yes. That's a pleasant surprise in that, hey, maybe he can be a stopgap second division starter. It's not, it's not a surprise it's going to win you a championship. It's a surprise no. that, like, hey, he's okay. That's Which nice. Is great for him. Losing, like, losing awesome. Josh Young for a year is not going to suck as bad as we thought it was. <laughs> right. But it's right. still going to suck, but, right. you know. But anyway, that is, is really encouraging. And the Spencer Howard thing, that can really flip of where their priorities are going to be. Which, if they don't need a pitcher as badly, is is great, but also the hitting market isn't isn't that great. But well, that is a question. That's a question for another time. And it's looking like some of these guys might be some of these top infield prospects, of the Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran variety, might end up being in the outfield to quell those worries too. But anyway, I think that I I just did my my second one of Colwyn being healthy, and making his major league <laughs> debut, that sent us all the way around on this tangent. Number three. What do you have for your number three wish, genie wish, to uh, make this happen? I, I should have made that. I should have made that like connection at the very top with three wishes, but no, <laughs> I didn't. You got. We're there. making it now. Eventually, we got there. Uh, I want to see Justin Foskey make more contact. Um, for a guy who is not going to bring great value with the glove, is not a great athlete, um, does have power, but it's not like prodigious power it, it's plus um and was really built as an advanced contact hitter coming out of college seeing him strike out 27 percent of the time last year was a real surprise um seeing him struggle with off-speed stuff the way he did was a real surprise um, i know kind of around the sport or at least the media elements of the sport uh, it seems like his value or like his reputation went up last year and he's on some top 100 lists. I think BP has him real high. BP uh, has him at, uh, let's 50. see. Yeah. 50. Um, I didn't see it the same way last year. Uh, he was clearly too good for high. A. I mean, he destroyed that league, mm-hmm. but he struck out 26% of the time there too. I don't think he's going to be a 440 ISO guy. He got the double A and the power dried up. Strikeouts went up. Um, didn't walk a ton for the level. Like, he has got to find a mix of the newfound power he didn't necessarily have in college, but the advanced uh, feel for hitting that he was built with coming out of college. I mean, if he's he's not going to be second baseman in this organization, 
No. So if he's going to be bumped to a corner, and it's not going to be third base for him. And it's not going to be right uh, field, so it's literally just going to be left field. Right. Which, am I taking him over Dustin Harris? Probably mm. not, personally. No, I don't think I am. Am I taking him over Trevor Halver? Maybe. If Ezekiel Durant has to go out there, am I taking him over him? No. Probably not. I mean, take him over Josh Smith? Probably not. I mean, it, he has to be a more complete hitter. His his power is not of the variety where he can be a power-only guy because his glove isn't going to support it, support him in the field with that positive value. It kind of uh, reminds me of the Rugnet Odor trajectory, except – Rugi yeah. started doing the selling out for power when he got to the big leagues as opposed to mm-hmm. when he got to double A. Yeah. Because Rugi was built yeah. as a as an advanced hit tool type of guy, make a bunch of contact and not strike out a whole bunch. And I just he hit a couple of dingers at the big league level. And he's like, I like this. I want to just do this. Yeah. This is all uh-huh. I want, which like relatable. Like if I hit a couple of big league dingers, I'd be like, this is all I want to do. I don't care if I strike out 100% or 90% of the time. If I'm hitting a dinger, 10%. Boom value <laughs> right right he had 30 home runs so what if he was worth negative two wins on the year <laughs> um, those negative two wins aren't hitting 30 home runs tell you that yeah that's not a uh that's not a bad call honestly that's uh that's not bad and he needs to not be rooting the door he needs to be an actual good baseball player yeah i mean he can't earn earn the love by hitting jose bautista in the face like jose bautista is gone I mean, it still blows. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know who he could hit in the face that would like generate that kind of love for Great. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get. Now he's with the twins. That I don't. I don't, I don't know that it hits the same. Maybe Bregman. Maybe that's yeah. who it is. Yeah, Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah. Either of them, I think, would would work. I don't think it would work with Jose Altuve. Because people would just feel bad for him because he's so small. They're like, oh right, no, you right. hit a child. Um, it still blows my mind that Ergman Odor played 102 games for the New York Yankees last year. A team that was in the playoffs. Yeah. They saw him yes. and thought, yes, they traded real assets for him. Kind of. But they, they did. I mean, the Rangers paid his contract, kind of. but like they, they traded something, not yeah. cash. Yeah. After what he'd done the last three years, and now he's in Baltimore, which if he if you said he started 102 games from Baltimore last year, I'd be like, that yeah, 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 that makes sense. I mean, that's about where they were. But anyway, uh, yeah, I I felt pretty good about that. I've kind of seen that comp coming for a little while, and I'm a little worried about that trajectory because I I think he can can come back from it and you know regain that kind of that kind of profile. I don't think he's he's too far gone down the rabbit hole. He hasn't hit a big league dinger yet. He hasn't felt that yeah. level of adrenaline come with it. Because once, I guess once you start doing that, then then it seems like there's no coming back until you're on the Orioles. And then maybe you start changing things. But I don't know that he will. Yeah. I. Uh, well, Ferdinand Odor can change. Anybody can change. However... He has not changed. <laughs> he has not changed. I don't think he will. Despite so, every hopefully. single spring training for the last five years. Oh, okay. Rugi's doing all these adjustments. He's doing everything different, just like we told him to. Oh, it's all different. Nope. Wrong. Exactly the same. Every single time. Men never change. <laughs> well, let's expand that a little bit. Not only every spring training, 
that every September, just in time to get himself back in the plans for the following season. He really was the master at that, at being like <laughs> just yes. being like just good enough to to get in there and and not be discounted. Especially with the oh my gosh, that's just such a whole mess, and it would be one of the more confounding things of the many confounding things that have happened to the Rangers the last like five years. That's that's always going to bother me. Him and Noah Mazar, it's always going to bother mm-hmm. me. And that's going to do it for my talk part one with Grant Schiller. I'll be talking a little bit more, answering, finishing up our three wants and desires from our magical genie in the bottle on tomorrow's episode. It's going to be lots of great stuff there. We also talk about a new pitch from Dane Dunning, a little bit more about what I talked about on Monday. Grant brings his pitching insight as a former collegiate pitching coach as to why that pitch is effective a little bit more behind why they're using it and how it works, all that good stuff and more coming up on tomorrow's episode. That'll do it for today's show. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.